Right, wrap and running. Cool. Okay, so I've just handed round verses for the benefit of the recording. Just handed round verses of um, Acts 12:24. There are 29 different translations floating around the room. All Acts 12:24 taken from different Bibles, and we're going to look at what they say. And we're going to base, basically when we go away on Tuesday, there's a group of maybe a handful of us, maybe a few more. Everyone is welcome to come if you're around in the daytime. So if you'd like to come on Tuesday, we're going to a little retreat in Hartlip. There's a bit of a sort of, a, we're going to basically be looking at next year and what it involves and praying into it. So not a lot of strategy, more prayer. Um, and so if you want to come to that, please do. But this verse is kind of informing a lot of what we feel God is speaking to us as a church. And so, what? someone shout out, what verse, what, what did it say? Just in your own words, don't read it out. What, what did it say? Don't be shy. So we've got the word of God. Grew. So, any any other what grew? So, anyone else have any other different words? So, word of God. You all had the word of God in there. You all happy? That was in there, yeah. So, it wasn't just in his version; it was in everyone's version. Um, and it grew. Any other words other than grew? So, it spread, flourished, multiply. I'm not going to write these all up because it will take forever. But any other words? Spread, flourished, multiply, increased, grew. Okay. And then, and then what happened? Did anything else in there? Any, anyone else got anything else? So it's just the word of God multiplied. But. It starts with a but. But. Yeah, whenever there's a but, you've got to look at what was going on before. So, what was going on before in Acts was the church was being persecuted. And I think it's Herod, but if you just read the verse before, um, Acts 12, 23, um, he's persecuting the church. And then all of a sudden, almost overnight, we said it's a bit like a scene from a Indiana Jones or something, um, he basically shrivels up and dies um, because he's persecuting the church. Not great. Um, so if you're ever thinking about persecuting the church, think twice about that. Um, he, he literally, like, he basically dies and it says... But the church continued to grow. It was flourishing in, in persecution. The word of God was spreading like wild, wildfire. Now, I've read, like, there's 29 different verses, um, sorry, 29 different versions or translations of this. And so we've got the word of God increased. This is kind of our interpretation of it. And then in other translations, it says, and basically because of that, disciples increased. So as the word was multiplied, disciples multiplied. The reason the word was multiplying was because people were literally sharing the word with other people who had never heard it before. They heard this story about this guy called Jesus who died for people's sins on the cross and that we could all be reconciled to God. This gospel of grace that we've been told that we've got to preach to Sittingbourne is effectively that you add nothing to the equation. You haven't got to be a good person. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. We're all utterly, despicably worthless to the standard that God would require by the law to come into his presence. None of us can attain to it. Not a single person in human history could attain to it. The whole thing of like the perfect person living in a village in the back end of the Amazon rainforest, what about them? They're not going to hear the gospel. They're still not good enough. They're not, there is no one righteous. No one righteous enough. Only Jesus was righteous enough. The perfect spotless lamb who laid his life down on the cross and our faith in him is what makes us righteous. We almost become Jesus on the cross, crucified when we've done nothing wrong. Perfect and spotless, our sin on his shoulders. And so this whole thing of there being a veneer, of being a good spiritual person, I've got it all together. I'm a, I, I do good, I'm a do-gooder. 
is actually it's worthless. Jesus spoke about people that put on a white, they called them whitewashed tombs. They were like, like all beautiful on the outside, but inside the stench of death. We can't, actually on the outside we've got to say, you know what, I am imperfect, but it's Jesus who has forgiven me. I had nothing to the equation. I'm not going to try and all of a sudden think, thank you Jesus, I've got it all together now. I'm a good person. Actually, there's stuff knocking around in here for all of us, either in here or in here, that at times is quite worrying and disturbing, isn't it? Doubt, fear, rebellion. All that stuff just kicks around, doesn't it? Anger. It's all in there. And this gospel of grace comes in. And this gospel is the word. It's based on Jesus. Jesus is the word. We read that in John, that the word became flesh. So this, this Bible that we read, I was going to lift my iPad up, this Bible that we read is actually an incarnation of Jesus. Jesus is this made flesh, literally like a talking, walking Bible. The image of God, the invisible God, made known, not just in a book so that we could read about it and understand it in our heads, but made known in a person so that we could relate and know him as a friend, as a brother, as a king. And his spirit, furthermore, comes and lives in us, dwells in us, so that we know what it is to be like God. All of our stuff starts to change, and we just recognise we're under grace. There's something amazing going on. And this is the message that God has given us, for, not just for Sittingbourne, but for the nations. It's a word that goes firstly to Jerusalem, then to Judea, then to Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. It's concentric. It starts in your life, then it affects your family, then your neighbourhood, then your workplace, and then wherever you may go, Bournemouth, wherever, Swanage, wherever. You may put your feet, that gospel of grace goes. And the whole thing of it is that word is meant to increase so that disciples, living, breathing people, like Jesus, an embodiment of the word. Okay, are you getting this? So the word increased, so literally this increased. People preached it, they spoke about it, they shared about it, they prayed about it. They taught people it. And as this increased... It dwelt in the heart of men, women and children just like us. And they too were born again and became like Jesus and became breathing and living incarnations of the word. Like Jesus became a living, breathing incarnation of the word. The word became flesh. And then they went and they shared it with others and they too. And it went, this is what we see in these verses, that the word multiplied. People literally had to share it with people who'd never heard it before. And then disciples multiplied. So there's a sense of like, as we increase the word of God in our day and age, that we will also be increasing disciples. Are you alright with that? Does that make sense? Okay. So I want you to think of this then as a seed. Think of Jesus as a seed sent down from the kingdom of heaven into the bad soil of the earth. Buried into the earth. And this seed has within it the potential to produce an exponential harvest, a harvest far beyond itself. Yeah? Jesus talks about this in Matthew 13, 31 to 32. He talks about the parable of the mustard seed. It's the smallest seed there is, and then it comes down and it produces a ridiculously large harvest, far beyond itself. Then the very next verse is Matthew 13, 33. He talks about the parable of the yeast, where he says a tiny... Has anyone ever made bread? If you've ever made bread, you'll know that you put yeast in tiny, tiny, sand-like-sized granules that go in and affect the whole thing. 
they have an impact far beyond their size or what they look like. It's so it is with Jesus, so it is with his word. Literally sent down boom, into the earth and then boom, it increases into our life. Okay? Are you alright with that? And so what Jesus is trying to do is through us, is for us to sow ourselves into the soil of where we live. We have each been planted, as Jesus was planted, in a specific time to a specific people in a specific place. So 2,000 years ago in Israel, Jesus was incarnated as the living word of God to his community, yeah? And that that then went viral through him sharing the word. So it is with us. The game hasn't changed. It's the same strategy. You now are the word of God sown into Sittingbourne, sown into your workplace, sown into Tenham, sown wherever you may find yourself, that you are the living, breathing, incarnated word of God. You are literally Jesus embodied to other people. And as you share the word with other people, the word of God is going to increase. There will be some soil, like the other parable, there'll be some soil that's hard ground. And it's just not going to take root. There'll be other soil where we share it with people. And boof, and you think, man alive, that person's come alive in God. So amazing, wow. And then six months later, where have they gone? They've just fallen away. And it says that the weeds of life have choked the the word out of them. And then there'll be the good soil, which I'm hoping we're preparing our hearts to be, where that, that seed goes in and it says it yields a harvest, much like the yeast, much like the mustard seed, which is way beyond what you would think is normal. 30-fold, 100-fold. If I said you could get a 100% return on an investment, give me £100 and I'll give you 100 times that, you, you would probably bite my hand off. You'd all be running down the cash machine when you'd be drawing out money like, that is a really good investment. This is what Jesus promises us, is that as we share the word of God with other people, it will have an exponential like, interest rate beyond what is normal. And so we think, well, hang on, there's something within this word that makes it different than any other word. So this isn't, I'm going to train you just the right techniques for you to convince people that they should be disciples. We've got, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to draw here. I'm going to draw a flame. That is a flame. I know like, my drawings are terrible. But this word of God has, is anointed. It's got the Holy Spirit upon it. It is literally God. Now, we're not going to worship the Bibles in God. I think some people can get into a a bit of a mess when they start worshipping the Bible. It's a bit like worshipping Mary. You know, you can get to a point where it's like, but in some ways, this is God's heart for mankind. This, this is what the kingdom looks like. As we read it, it reveals Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves it. He helped to write it. He inspired, I don't know, about 40-odd authors to write this. He lo- the, the Holy Spirit loves the Bible. And he, when we sit down, I've been sitting down with Arnold of late, and we've been reading the Bible together. And we've been like, Holy Spirit... Would you come and help us make your word known? We want to understand what this says for us. And then we're saying, Holy Spirit, what on earth do I do with what I've just read? Do I put, how do I put that into practice in my life? Because sometimes some of the stuff that Jesus says is pretty hard. I've got to forgive some people. I don't want to forgive people. I want to feel mean and angry and nasty inside about them because I hate who they were, I hate what they did to me. Sometimes I don't want to forgive myself. Because I can't forgive myself for the things I've maybe done or said to other people. Unforgiveness seems like a right. But actually, Jesus says, no, 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 it's like a prison. If you want to be a prisoner, you want to be locked up, and you want to be tormented, then hold on to unforgiveness, because that's what you're going to get. If you want to live free, then you've got to start learning there's a bit of dying to be done. 
It's what Jesus says. There's some stuff that needs to be laid down. Forgiving people's hard. Giving out of the little or the abundance that you've got is hard. But I've worked hard for this money, Jesus. Everything that is in this little thing of mine, I've worked hard for. Why should I give you any of it? Rather than Jesus, yeah, this has actually come from you as a gift for me. I'm a steward of it. And this is a means of me blessing the world around me. Relieving poverty and oppression. By thinking of all the stuff you've entrusted to me as yours, and actually then that changes the equation of how much of it is actually mine to live on. There's a lot of stuff that Jesus says about a lot of things in our life. Why should I pray? What on earth is that about? You know, there's all these things. Who am I talking to? This invisible God. But why should I read the Bible? It's so out of date. So, out, so old. All I'm interested in, we have this conversation with our kids. Oh, but it's old, so it's no good. Only new stuff's good. New phones, new music, new films. But that film's from the 80s. It can't be any good because it wasn't made this year. It hasn't got the latest CGI. Watch Back to the Future. That's a great film. Might not have all the latest sound effect, uh, stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm digressing. But, but, but there is a way that is so ancient and so narrow and so hidden that few find it. There is another way that is very wide and that leads to destruction. And many find that and they're wandering down it and they're falling off a cliff like lemons. And we live in a day and age where everyone's saying, yeah, come on, this is the way to go. And, and within here, being led by the Spirit of God, there is a way, there is a word, there's a particular way of life that if we follow it and if we apply it and if we can find it and discern it, it's going to liberate us. And it is going to liberate a broken world. That's what we believe. That's what the Christian faith is all about. Okay. Are we all right so far? Have you got any water, love? I'm losing my voice. <coughs> Sorry, just give me a moment. So I'm going to start coughing. Thanks, sir. That's not good, is it? Thank you. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll edit that bit out for the sake of the tape. Right, okay. And so, we've been feeling that Jesus is talking to us about three things for this next year. The first one is just very simply multiplying the word. And so, what that might look like, that might look like Lizzie going to the Dover Castle Inn, is it called? Um, and doing a Bible study. That might look like Natalie writing on a blog on, that she shares on Facebook, sharing the Word of God with people. That might look like this, preaching the Word of God publicly. It might look like some people on Facebook putting out videos of just like, oh, I'm out in the park and I feel like God's spoken to me through this verse I've read this morning. It might look like you sitting around a table with other people as part of an organised thing where we're looking at the Bible like we do every Sunday morning and we're trying to understand how it makes sense. It might look like me meeting with Arnold or you, you meeting with the person that you sit next to, reading the Word of God, maybe in a structured way, looking at the words of Jesus and saying, right, how do I apply this principle to my life of prayer, of reading the Bible, of forgiving, of maybe giving, of lots of different things, of sacrificing my time, literally being generous with my time, so there's, there's all of this stuff, sharing, and then there's the other, the scary bit, multiplying the word through actually being trained and equipped to just talk with people about Jesus. How do you offer a prayer with someone and then share the gospel with them in a couple of minutes? That's a great skill to be able to have. I think that's probably what these guys, when we look at Acts 12, 24, they had been equipped in a way that I don't think our generation has been equipped. 
they knew something of God and they'd received something of God that actually enabled the gospel to go viral. Both God was doing something through the power of the word, through the power of their testimony. It wasn't down to their wise and persuasive words, but it was by the spirit of God that people were saved. A a sense of conviction came on people that they needed to get right with God. And the only thing really they were doing different than us, I think, is they were being obedient and going out. They, they were obediently sharing that. Whereas I think we feel in our day and age that we're a little bit muzzled publicly from sharing the word of God. It's not quite the done thing anymore, is it? It's not the done thing. And, we, and we've kind of danced to that tune a little bit, I think. Either in our workplaces or in our neighbourhoods, maybe even with our neighbours. You know, we've kind of come under something that's completely unbiblical. Am I right in saying that? I'm not trying to bring any sense of condemnation. In that, And so what we've felt like is, and so I'm going to draw on here, I'll draw a line under that, is that God has spoken to us, sorry if you're sat there, you might not be able to see it, but it'll be up here afterwards, is that God has spoken to us this year about multiplying lots of different things. Okay, so that's a multiplication symbol, yeah, you're all happy with that, you did maths at school, so that means multiply. And so God has spoken to us about multiplying, um, not just addition, well, let's add one small group. Let's add one more Sunday meeting. Let's add one more disciple. We did that last year, which was great. We saw Arnold come in. We didn't do it. Jesus did it. And we've got Arnold who's given his life to Jesus. And there's lots of it. Pick on you, mate. I do this all the time, don't I? Um, and he's figuring out what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And we're all kind of figuring out what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. None of us have got that made. That is a lifelong thing until the veil is lifted when we see Jesus and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. We're always growing and learning what it is to be a disciple. So we always need to be looking at someone else to input into our life, and we always need to really be looking to invest in people who are far from God, or are new babies in the faith. And so God has called us to multiply. So rather than adding ones and twos, we want to see scores and scores, maybe even hundreds and hundreds. There are 65,000 people in and around Sittingbourne, including the surrounding villages, that I believe Jesus has called us to reach. we've not moved I'm just talking we've not moved here just to make some new Christian friends as much as we love Christian friends we feel like Jesus has called us here to share the gospel with the the lost because their their souls are literally in jeopardy of an eternity away from God and that is not a pretty picture I once lived in that place and it was horrific it was horrific I would hate to go back there and I'm sure most of you can remember a time when you lived in that place and it was pretty grim And people don't even know it. They're blind to it. And so the reason we've come isn't so that we can have lots of cake and coffee and work, but it's literally so we can turn things upside down and cause a bit of a riot and probably get persecuted. Like the church here was, in that the guy who was persecuting, God sort of took him out in the story before. And so God has called us to multiply. Not that we go looking for a fight. You know, I'm not saying that. We've got to live peaceably with all people. But actually the message we've got is not palatable. It's like a sword that divides. To some, it's the stench of death. To others, it's the, the message of hope of life. Yeah? This is, this is the gospel. And so, I think we're thinking, and we'll kind of land on it next week, so this is a bit of a precursor for next year, that there are three things God's called us to multiply. The first one is the word. The second one is disciples, both of ourselves and of the world. And then the third thing is as the word has increased and we've got a lot more people coming on board, we've with what it is to be part of the community of faith. The third thing is that we would multiply connection points. One small group isn't going to cut it. One 
little room of 80 people isn't going to cut it. 65,000 people. Not that God's going to deluge us with 65,000 people. But in some ways, if you knew you were going to have a baby, you would probably have to make some changes on your house ahead of time. If you knew you were going to have quadruplets or triplets, you would probably have a whole different... One is addition, you're adding one. One is multiplication, you're adding many. So if you're breeding dogs, let's not talk about humans, talk about dogs. If you know you're adding one litter, well, that's one thing. Once you've got, say, like 15 dogs and then they're all expecting... Wow, we need to get like kennels and all sorts of stuff. We need to get people to help to care for them because it's outstripped the ability of one person to care for one dog. All of a sudden, you have got many, 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 yeah? And it's kind of like that. What God has got, you're like that one, the thing of dogs and caring for them. You do a lot of that. Um, but this, like, we feel like Jesus is saying, I have called you to something very, very big, very, very expansive as a community to be responsible alongside other brothers and sisters who are already here, other churches. It's not all about us. To build something that is a monument that will way outstrip our lifetime. This isn't about us. It's not about us getting a platform. When I'm long gone and dead, Jesus is still going to be doing stuff. And actually, I think we're, we're the ones, like Adam had encouraged me, sent a little um, kind of prophetic message, I guess, about we're the ones, and that includes you, we've got the hard work. We've got to roll up our sleeves, dig some trenches, and fill in a pretty massive foundation for what God's going to do. Now, that's the grimy hard work. We're not doing all the nice little fitting in the inside when the roofs are on. We're out there in the cold, in the rain, breaking the hard ground, pouring in the concrete. It's hard, horrific work. And that's what we've been called to. And then there'll be a whole bunch of people that will probably come along, alongside us or after us, and they've got the great pleasure of putting the signs up, opening the doors. Do you get the analogy? God is building something, a monument to himself, to his glory in Sittingbourne, that will see thousands of people saved. I firmly believe it. Whether we'll see that bit, I'm not sure, but he's called us here to something far, almost like this exponential word. He's planted our family here. He's planted you here to have an impact way beyond your life, a hundredfold. And it's what are we going to believe him for? What are we going to set ourselves up ready for? Because what we, what we prepare for is what we'll get. What we prepare for is what we'll get. And so we're going to multiply um, the word, disciples, and connection points. So connection points looks like how do we multiply situations and settings where people can gather together and read the word of God and be encouraged to go out and share it with other people. Discipleship groups, small groups, maybe other Sunday meetings. Not all of us all together all the time, but actually maybe Jonathan and Teresa are leading something that looks a bit more like Hillsong in the new cinema of a Sunday night. Who knows it? The, the trending, the trend is, they're, they're leading something there. And then Adam and Lizzie, you know, in three or four years' time, there's a, there's a worshipping community that meets in a village hall in Tenham. And then maybe Rob and Pung, there's one that meets in that really nice Swedish-looking kind of community centre in, in Merston. What would that look like? Ian and Bronwyn have opened up their home and they're leading a small group there. You know, what does this look like on the Red Row Estate? You know, what does this look like? Jane in Bournemouth, way beyond Sittingbourne, is like... I don't know, out there doing stuff, seeing people saved on the streets. So it looks like multiple expressions. We're not saying, well, we're just about multiplying 30 small groups this week. Well, this week, no, 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 hang on, this year. (laughs) That would be a bit much. But actually, we're just trusting God. What's the first thing? Well, we need more small groups. Like I was joking with Adam this morning, there there were like 20-odd of us here this morning. It feels like we're a little bit half empty. And and I was like, wow, how far have we come? It feels a little bit half empty. Everyone's pretty much local. It's one or two visitors. Um, and we're saying, well, this feels a bit half empty. We couldn't get all of you in our front room. We can get all of you in, in their front room. So we already, that's the first priority, multiplying small groups. 
Um, so this is multiplying connection points. And so there are four things. When we're multiplying all these things, what are we looking for? Because we could just multiply more settings and we get together, but what do we do in these settings? And so these are the four things that I think are the distinctives of what we're going to do next year. And so the, the first one is H. And so H looks like we're looking to multiply people or disciples who honour Jesus. Okay? And so we see that in John 5, 22 to 23. Says if you, like, a bit like it says in John 14, if you love me, then you'll obey my teaching. It says, he who honours Jesus honours the Father. So there's a real sense that disciples, as they live their life daily, they're looking in every way to honour Jesus, the way they manage their finances. If you're self-employed, do you pay your taxes? Or do you try and find a shady way out of doing that? Is it all cash in hand? You know, there's a lot of stuff where we're, like, how do we honour Jesus, live with integrity, that we are above reproach? The way that you talk about your neighbours when there's no one else and it's just you in the car and you're, I don't know, someone's just cut you up. You know, all these things, like, are we honouring Jesus? We're living before an audience of one. We're trying to create disciples who honour Jesus. The next one is O. And so we're looking for people, disciples, who are going to obey his teaching. So as we read this word of God, we're putting it into practice. That's what me and Arnold are doing. We've gone through, like, repentance. We've gone through baptism. And we're like, okay, Holy Spirit, how do I obey your teaching? What are the things Jesus said about my life? How do I put that into practice? How do I forgive people that have really wronged me? What does forgiveness even mean or look like? Jesus' forgiveness is different than the world's. And so all these things, we're looking for people who are going to obey Jesus, that we're going to be faithful. That we're not going to, like when Jesus says, leave your nets and come and follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. We're the ones who say, all right then rather than the ones who say, well, I'll, I'll catch up with you in a week or so. Where are you going to be? Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, this is a bit more important than what you've called us to. I don't want to be that guy. I don't know about you, but this is what we're after. So obedience can sound heavy, but I think actually it's just about being faithful. God says we do. We trust him because he's good. He's not trying to command, he's not trying to control us or manipulate us. He's actually trying to invite us into a better way of life. Uh, the next one, is that we would pray. Uh, and that we would pray without stopping. It says that in Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. Pray beyond yourselves. Often when we pray, it starts with us and it ends with us. God help me with my job. God help me with the fact that I ain't got no money. God help me with the fact that I feel sick. God help my neighbour. God help this. God help... Jesus, you're so good. I worship you. I thank you that you're the king over all creation. God, help me be a witness to the nations. God, help me to share the gospel with someone. Lord, help me with all that I need in the day-to-day. Different types of prayer. We have need, and God's very interested in our need, and that's got to flow out. But I remember hearing about C.S. Lewis, and he says, actually, I'm changed by prayer because I realise how much need is in me. It's not that God's, God's kind of changing me in prayer. I'm not getting God to do stuff. He's actually changing me. I'm aware of my own need. That we would stop in prayer and say, Jesus, what have you got for other people? How can you use me as a conduit of your grace, like this, em- this embodied word amongst people who don't know you, so that I might be a shining light to them. How do I do that so that the word multiplies? Prayer takes on a, a different meaning. People who pray beyond themselves. So in some ways, as we reorganise ourselves as a community next year, prayer is going to be a huge part of it. If we just get on and get busy and start lots of groups and don't pray, then we've, we've missed it. Is that Okay. And so obeying his teaching, the O, looks like giving ourselves to the word and then 
Praying looks like giving ourselves to, to God, to the Holy Spirit. Word and Spirit together is, is like dynamite. I genuinely believe that. That we're not all about the Word that we dry up, and we're not all about the Holy Spirit that we blow up, but actually we're, like, we're, and we're not 50% of either that we become lukewarm. Just a little bit of the Word, a little bit of the Holy Spirit. Actually, we want to be like 100% Word, 100% Spirit. That's one of our values. That those two things together is going to be like the kindling through which God can, can do something amazing. And then the last one is E. You might see what we've done there. It sort of spells a word. But the last one is that the mission, the mission of God is for every, everyone, everywhere, every day. Everyone, everywhere, every day. So it's not just when we call you together on a Wednesday night. It's not just when we go out on the streets once a month to share the gospel. It is 24-7 whether you're at work, whether you're in your sick bed, wherever you might find yourself, at the school gates, there is always an opportunity for this gospel of grace to multiply into the heart of other people and to make disciples. We see that in the book of Acts. You know, like, Philip's walking along uh, and then all of a sudden there's a guy on a, on, a, uh, on a chariot. We were talking about this, weren't we? On a chariot who's trying to read the Bible, make sense of it. God told, tells him to go up to him. He goes up, starts explaining the gospel, and then all of a sudden an Ethiopian gives his life to Jesus and then goes off and basically becomes the first apostle to Ethiopia and that nation in the world. It's amazing. And it's just like that. It wasn't a planned event. Nothing happened. The Holy Spirit said and he obediently followed. And the next thing, the word has multiplied and disciples have multiplied. What would it look like in our day and age if we gave ourselves to the word obediently and obediently to the Holy Spirit? And that we would be honouring Jesus in that and that the gospel would go to everyone, everywhere, every day. I think that's super exciting. I don't know about you, I get really excited about that. That looks like this whole thing of in the middle, multiplication. It looks like the gospel being made known to people who are are in darkness, who are in a broken world. We see that in Acts 1, verse 8, where it says, well, I said it earlier, about how the gospel was made known in Jerusalem, in Judea, to Samaria, and then to the earth. It's for everyone, everywhere, every day. It's not just for white, middle-class people. It's not just for those who are of a particular ethnicity. It's not just for those who are of a particular generation or a particular social status. It's for all of us. It's for everyone, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. When we read Revelation 21, all the nations gathered together at a huge, ridiculously large banquet table, gathered together, worshipping Jesus with no barriers, with no division, with no racism, no xenophobic stuff, you know, whatever it might be, we're literally unified by his spirit that he is the king of that wedding feast and man, are we, we, we joyful we're part of it and are we joyful that there are friends and family sat next to us who are only there because we were obedient and faithful. We could go through our whole lifetime silent, on mute, and we'll still have our seat at that table. That's the grace of it. But we can still go through our life silent and actually... There could be, no, not empty chairs, but do you get what I'm saying? There are people that will miss out because we've we've not found, like uh, Pung was praying earlier, the courage, Holy Spirit, give me the courage and the boldness just to be faithful to that person. Lord, who are you putting on my heart today? This is my my day at work. Who could I speak to? Give me the opportunity. Give me the words. Not that we're like, I don't know, we start getting all a little bit blinkered and crazy about it. But actually, we just feel faith. Yeah, Jesus, you've spoken to me about that lonely person at the office who everyone else kind of gangs up on. Help me to... I'm going to invite them out for, for, for lunch today. And I'm just going to be gracious to them. 
and I'm going to build a friendship with them, and I'm going to offer a pray for them, and I'm just going to see where that goes. What would that look like? That's the gospel of grace at work in a very practical way. And so are we all up for that? Yeah. <laughs> Teresa is. Yeah. Go on, Teresa. So this is what we're praying about. This is what we're praying about as a church. We really feel like Jesus has called us here to live beyond ourselves. This is great and we love this, but this, this isn't it. It can't be it. And we won't allow it to be it. And so we're sort of saying we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to try and be obedient to him and we'd love it if you come on the journey with us. We feel that there's life there. It's incredibly scary. There's probably a high cost to be paid in lots of ways. Relationally, time-wise, maybe our resources in the gifts, the time, the talent, the treasure we've got, as we kind of say, right, Jesus, what does this look like to lay this foundation for what you want to create? Not talking about building buildings, but, you know, spiritually speaking. Misunderstandings, people persecuting us, upsetting other people, maybe other, the religious spirit at work. What are they doing? Is that of God? All these people coming to faith. I thought that was a question then. So I was like, <laughs> but this is what we want to give ourselves to. So I'm just going to pray. There's not really a take home for it other than this is what we're kind of praying about. We'd love it if you pray for us. And um, so I, I'm just going to pray really quickly and I just want you to pray on your tables. Just where does this intersect with your life? What does this look like? What's the cost you've got to pay? Are you even up for it? Are you now thinking, hang on, I might go to the other church down the other end of the road because... That's just a bit of a high bar. They don't challenge me like that. I'm just saying this is what we're about. Can I just say something? Go for it. If you can come Wednesday to home group, come. Um, If you can't make it for six o'clock food and you want to come to refresh your training around these three circles, then come at seven. And the three circles is to do with getting out there and, and sharing the gospel with people. And yeah, Gordon's right. It is hard work, but it is something else as well. It just does something to you supernatural outside of outside of yourself, and it's just something about it that just grips your heart and just makes you just want to get out there and do it again. It's just exhilarating. Yeah, it's just supernatural. I could just say it's supernatural, um, and so it's hard work, but it's also really refreshing as well. Great. So I'm just going to pray, just aware of the time. So King Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you are like the first seed that was planted into the earth and we are part of that harvest and you're calling us to sow ourselves too here in Sittingbourne and even further afield. And so Lord, help us to be faithful to that. Holy Spirit, we look to you to help us. Um, Lord, we thank you that you're good. We thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that you're the perfect one and we don't need to be perfect. We haven't got to earn your favour but you've called us to be obedient. You've called us to follow. You've called us to pick up our cross. And so, King Jesus, I pray that you'll help us to to do that together, that we won't lose anyone along the way. Um, King Jesus, we really want to see disciples multiplied. We want to see your word multiplied. They might have an impact kind of in in an apple that started to go rotten. Lord, we pray that for our community where it's starting to go bad, that actually the word of God, as it's sown into that, will actually bring life and health and wholeness. Um, in the lives of all the people that we know and we see day to day, whether it be in the workplace or whether it be our neighbours or even our family, we say, Lord, give us the confidence and the boldness to, to, to trust your word. As we read it in Acts, we see it at work and we long for that, but yet we're struggling to figure out our part in that. So give us boldness, give us faith. Uh, Lord, help us now as we pray. Amen.
I'm in. So just take a moment on your tables um, and then we'll wrap up. Go for it.